The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Again, good morning. Welcome to All Saints. We're so glad you're here with us. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And though the grass withers and the flowers fade, your word will last forever. So Lord, today, would you make my words and the meditation of all of our hearts pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last weekend, we had our in-laws staying with us, and we were sipping cold, cool beverages, and all of a sudden, it started to rain. In the middle of a Texas summer, it started to rain, and so what did we do? We went out on the covered porch with our drinks to watch it, to enjoy that mist coming to our face, and all of a sudden the sun came out. And all of us being native Texans, you know what one of us said? The devil's beating his wife. Has anybody heard that? Some of you have, but I know some of you haven't. Now, I heard that growing up from my parents and grandparents, and I never understood it. It made no sense to me. And so, I asked my in-laws. Nobody could explain it to me there either. And so we decided to take the advice of a good family friend who says to her children when she really wants to bother her teenagers, well, honey, that's what they invented the Google for. So go look it up. So we looked up on the Google and it was very unsatisfying what we found. The best we can find is 
The devil is angry with God that he made such a beautiful day and he's taking his anger out on his wife and she's crying and her tears are the rain. A crazy folklore idiom for a sun shower. All sorts of cultures have these kinds of things. Taking something known and turning it into something confusing, even nonsensical. Thankfully, Jesus and his parables are not like that in, at all. In fact, they're the opposite. He uses what's known and understood in the culture to bring clarity to spiritual truth. And that's what we're seeing in our summer series here on the parables of Jesus. Short fictional stories or word pictures, some with hyperbole, to teach about the things of God. And often... As with our parables today, it's a comparison of what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus begins his public ministry talking about the kingdom of God. In fact, he says, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The implication is that Jesus is the king come to renew God's rule in this world. The kingdom of God, we know from his overall teaching and all of scripture, is wherever and whenever God is ruling and reigning. And this includes the church, but it's more than the church. The kingdom of God is like its king, and so are its subjects. So the question we have when we come to teaching through parables on the kingdom of God is, are you a subject of that kingdom? Are you in subjection to that king? We need to know what the kingdom of God is like to know what we should be like. And Jesus helps us with this through our two parables here. And I would submit to you, these two parables go together. They're complementary, even symbiotic. Maybe you'll see why. Let's consider the character of the kingdom of God and the character of its subjects as seen here in the mustard seed and leaven. Now, in ancient Near Eastern Israel, it was, as you probably imagine, an agrarian society. Man's vocation was in the fields. Woman's vocation was in the home. And so one of the points here Jesus is making is that the kingdom of of God is made for and seeks to capture all of humanity, men and women. Like the seed and the leaven, the kingdom of God is pregnant with life, pregnant with growth, grace. The gospel of Jesus says that the king of this kingdom has come down to rescue you from the enemy of sin and death and return you to life in his kingdom. It's a grand and glorious message of good news. So how is this mustard seed like the kingdom of God? Well, first, it starts small, really small. A mustard seed is between the size of a peppercorn and a pepper, a speck of pepper. In the ancient Near East, in Judea, it was proverbial to speak of really small things as, as small as a mustard seed. But small is not going to conquer the Roman Empire, the people would imagine. Small isn't what we gravitate to today. We tend to be satisfied with bigger and better. We want more, not less. 
my big problem in my life needs a big solution. And yet from such a small seed, if you've ever been to Israel, you have seen the result of that small seed. In fact, we're going at the end of February next year and registration is still open. So come go with us. We would love for you to join us. But let me tell you, if you've never been in the springtime in Israel, the countryside of Galilee in northern Judea is like this. Imagine in the spring here in Texas, the largest, most vast, most dense field of blue bonnets as far as the eye can see. And then imagine those blue bonnets are as big as Texas sage bushes. And then imagine they're all golden yellow. That's what you see as a result of the small mustard seed in Israel in the spring. And this is what Jesus is talking about. It's like heavenly streets of gold upon which angels might dare to tread pointing to our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel 16. The king makes high the low tree and the dry tree flourish and under it will dwell every kind of bird, a reference to people from every tribe and tongue and nation who will come into the kingdom. This is what the kingdom becomes. Its small beginning is disproportionate to its end starting so small yet becomes large enough from people for, from all over the world to come and rest and dwell within it. But this doesn't happen overnight. It starts small and it seems particularly slow. Think of the humble beginnings of the church of the kingdom of Christ. Judea, a backwater part of the Roman Empire, born in a stable, poor, a carpenter or stonemason, itinerant teacher, 12 disciples and then 11 disciples, and then they leave him on a cross. Our 1 Corinthians passage, or 1 Corinthians 1, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles is Christ's message facing persecutions, enemies without and within. It's hard to imagine at that young start what it would become. But God is good with process. And today, centuries later from then, we have 2.6 billion people in the world, over a third of the world's population, naming the name of Christ as the one they follow. John Calvin said, the Lord opens his reign with a feeble commencement for the express purpose that his power may be made more fully illustrated by its unexpected progress. There is no other explanation for the growth of the kingdom of God in human history. It's the work of God. And so, As its subjects, we need to ask ourselves, how should this small and slow nature of the kingdom of God change us? The kingdom of God should make us a patient and realistic people. God uses process 
in progress. We should get used to disappointment because oftentimes his timing and the way he does things is not ours. We should play the long game, give ourselves to practices that don't have an immediate return on our investment. Worship, word, sacrament, prayer, loving your neighbor as yourself. Small steps of faith, whatever the Lord shows you as that next step. In other words, immature men plant radishes. Mature men plant plant acorns. Acorns which will eventually grow to the large mighty oak under which shade and rest can be found for all sorts of people. The character of the kingdom of God, yes, starts small and seems slow, but it becomes unstoppable. It takes over. It eventually shows itself in evident outward growth. The southern U.S., we have kudzu. Israel has mustard plants. And the kingdom of God in Christ is pregnant with seemingly small and slow but unstoppable life, like streams of water that over time become the Grand Canyon, or glaciers that eventually move land masses. Back in the 1980s, when I was at UT here in Austin, I was in a fraternity And with the help of Campus Crusade for Christ, we started a Bible study. Well, not by my efforts, but feeble efforts, though they were, the Lord was gracious. And that Bible study became other Bible studies and other Bible studies. And eventually, we had what was some sort of a revival. It it birthed numerous believers vocational ministers eventually. It matured multiple others in the faith so that eventually what became the fruit of those seeds that were planted and replanted, the founder of the campus ministry at SMU, RUF, our denomination's campus ministry, Christ the King Church in Houston, Gateway Church here in Austin, the number two leader in global Campus Crusade for Christ, missionaries all over the world, certainly not by our efforts, so feeble as they were, but because the Lord is gracious, the nature of his kingdom and his seeds are in unstoppable growth. These seeds begat plants, which begat seeds, which begat, begat more plants. And a decade later, when Park City's Presbyterian Church in Dallas was started, I joined four or five other people meeting with, at Doug Horn's house to pray about what the missions ministry would be like for this new church. And we eventually came up with, with what was known as the 2020 vision, planting 100 churches by the year 2020. And by God's grace, only by God's grace, it happened. And we voted to start a church and a RUF ministry down in Austin, the first of the denomination, 
Redeemer Church, which became the mother church of our church here, All Saints. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ will reign forever. Unstoppable growth. Revelation 21, behold, I am making all things new. The kingdom of God is coming more and more into its final form, and it will take over. And so we need to ask ourselves, how should the unstoppable character of the kingdom change our lives? The kingdom of God should make us a confident and optimistic people. Jesus has won the victory. We know the kingdom of God will never end. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We live in the light of great expectations, not small. God's plan is for us to be partakers in the glory of his kingdom for his glory. Samuel Clements, otherwise known as Mark Twain, certainly not a convinced Christian, said this, I admire the serene assurance of those who have religious faith. It's wonderful to observe the calm confidence of a Christian. It's as if they're holding four aces. Are you living in Christ as though you're holding four aces? Subjects of the kingdom of Christ should be confident and even persevering people, living with the victorious end in mind. Yes, the kingdom of God starts small and seems slow, but is eventually unstoppable. And fourth, it's hidden. It's hidden. The kingdom of God's growth is often not obvious. It's unexpected more so. The mustard seed work goes unseen underneath the surface in the soil. The leaven is hidden in the dough, working not to replace it, but growing to fully transform it and to take the dough and lift it up. The kingdom of God in Christ is pregnant with hidden life that we can't see. It's a work of inward transformation we often find out about later. One of those fraternity brothers that I kept trying to get to go to a Bible study wouldn't have it. Rick was a fun guy. I really liked him, but he was a wild man, I can tell you. You would just imagine the wildest frat guy. It was Rick. He would put him to shame. It was over a decade later, though. He had married a good Lutheran girl who brought him to church. And he called me because he wanted to let me know that he had become a Christian and he could see that the seeds that had been sown in his life for years and years, the Lord was after him. That is the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom continues to begat seeds to be sown into people's lives, that they would come to him. An indicator, if you have this life of the kingdom of God in you, is if you're being transformed, if you're growing, if you're being lifted up to him in your thoughts and in your actions to become more and more like Christ. And often we see throughout scripture 
that the kingdom of God grows while hidden in suffering. These seed and leaven parables are in all three of our synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synopsis of Jesus's life. John is more thematic, but these parables are in each of those three gospels, and two of the three are placed in the context of suffering, suffering on either side of these parables. In Mark 4, after Jesus talks about the mustard seed, it's as if a test That night, Jesus leads his disciples across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And as he sleeps below, a storm threatens to drown them. And so in verse 38, they cry out to Jesus, Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? Perhaps the same kind of sentiments at one point from the woman that we find in our gospel reading, Luke chapter 13 finally healed after 18 years. And Jesus then says, verse verse 18, therefore, the kingdom of God is like. What's the therefore, therefore? Jesus is tying the hidden, hiddenness of the kingdom in suffering. The grace of the kingdom of God often develops in and through our suffering struggle, even failure. Yet Jesus is there with us, hidden in the boat. The king promises his subjects, I will never leave nor forsake you. And St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 speaks of how he has learned this with the thorn in his flesh, the thorn of suffering. He says, the grace of Christ is sufficient. Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. When I am weak in myself, I am strong in Christ. Often the subjects of the kingdom of God can look back and see that they've grown through suffering. That's the nature of the kingdom of God because it's who our king is and it's what our king has done. He became weak to gain the strength that we need. He died to give you his life. And so you must acknowledge your weakness and your need to receive his strength. So how should this hiddenness of the kingdom change us? The kingdom of God should make us a dependent people. After 18 years of suffering, look at where we find our Luke 13 woman worshiping God in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, we don't know the twists and turns of her pilgrimage of suffering, but we know that she ended up worshiping God in the midst of her trial. The grace of the king was sufficient. His power was made perfect in weakness. When she was weak in herself, she became strong in him. You know, the kingdom of God might just be transforming you when what Jesus has done for you becomes more real than what people or circumstances have done to you so that you become less bitter, 
more forgiving, more able to persevere. Jesus says, I love you. I love you no matter your past. You are my adopted child. And so you know the kingdom of God might be transforming you when what Jesus has said to you becomes more real than what other people have said to you so that you're less inclined to distraction or depression or sensitivity to criticism. No matter your condition or the record of your life that you brought with you today, you can walk out of here a different person, a transformed person, if you receive this life of the grace of Christ, his kingdom life and power, this gospel seed and leaven of the kingdom, it can and will change you forever if you let him. He became weak to gain strength for you. Acknowledge your weakness and receive his strength and life today. Like leaven, our king wants to, to fully transform us and lift us up to him to participate in the widening golden fields he is spreading all over the world in his kingdom. Jesus' transforming presence wants to go deep in your heart and life in order to go wide to his world. Recently, King Charles III was crowned in the United Kingdom, and his subjects proclaim, God save the king, as if to say, long live the king. Yet one day, Charles will die. In King Jesus' realm, we pro- proclaim, God the king saves us, always lives the king, and deep and wide lives his kingdom in his subjects. May it be so for your life and for mine today. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you that your kingdom, though begins small and slow, gives us and builds in us patience and realism. Lord, thank you that your kingdom is unstoppable Help that to stir in us confidence and perseverance. Lord, thank you that you have hidden your kingdom in suffering, that we might be more and more dependent on you for your glory and for our benefit. We pray in the strong and precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.